So last week was introduction, sermon number one in a series of sermons that's going to run about seven sermons, I think, is, is what it's feeling like right now. So that'll get us real close to Easter time. We'll be a week or two out of Easter, but this is kind of the plan for us. Um, I hope that you'll, you'll jump right in and be engaged with this. Uh, several of us, and, and I know several of you spoke to me. You know, one of the things you have to, have to understand is I have to live with this sermon that I preach all week long. And so last week's sermon, um, yeah, it touched me too, and it touched several of you, and, and I think maybe that just tells me, you know, that's God saying that it's the right time. It's, it's perfect timing to hear of his mercy in our lives. So last week, week one, introduction, and we talked about how God shows us mercy at every second of every day all life long. When we're ashamed of something that we've done, there's mercy, and we learned how that, how that works in our life. When we're angry over things that don't work out my way, over things I don't have, and, and I'm just angry because life is frustrating, there's mercy for that circumstance. And we saw how Jesus dealt mercy into that circumstance, and we, and we learned how when I'm afraid, the, the, the man on the cross beside Jesus, remember, who, who experienced mercy from Jesus at the moment of death. Probably the thing that we all fear is death. And there's mercy enough for that moment in every one of our lives. It's the power of God's mercy in your life to meet you in those circumstances of life. Today, God can use anybody, even you. God can use any and every one of us because of his mercy on your life, on my life. So that's what we want to talk about today. The greatest joy in life, and you'll know this to be true if you've ever experienced this, is to be used by God for the purposes that God has, for eternal purposes, to be involved in something that's, that's bigger than you are yourself. There's nothing else that even comes close to that experience. The, the happiness and, and, and the joy that you'll have. I mean, it's like you'll go, this is it, right? When that happens in your life, this is what I was made for. You know, it's why you live. It's why you've been created. When you get in that place where God uses your life for an eternal purpose, can I just say to you, you're not a big enough purpose to live for, right? You're, you're not that big a deal. Anybody understand, you understand what I'm saying? You will run, you'll dry up, you'll run out, you won't have enough. You're just not enough to live for because, because you're, not, you're not big enough, a big enough cause. You were shaped for God's service. That's what scripture teaches. I mean, that's what this mercy is all about. God's mercy taking you and using you for the purpose for which you were shaped in the service that, that matters and will matter a million years from this day. So today, the Apostle Paul is going to challenge us. He's going to challenge us with these words. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. He says, Give yourselves completely to God, every single part of you. Because you've been bought, or you've been brought from death to life, and now you want to be used by God. Anybody want to be used by God? Amen. Amen. Don't we want to be used by Him? You want to be used by God for good and for His righteous purpose. The problem is, 
too many of us secretly feel that God couldn't possibly use me, don't we? And be honest. Isn't that what we kind of secretly, kind of inside? Because I think that maybe something that I've done has disqualified me from his service. It's something that I've, I've done. It's just, you know, some past mistake. And we're stuck in the past. Mercy wants to drag you out of the past. Too many of us think we're disqualified. We have that kind of that secret inside of us that we think, well, no, you know, I don't, ha- I don't have her talents. I don't have his giftedness. I don't have his education. I don't have her skills. I don't have her charisma. I, I just don't have, I'm just not as godly as. We only have to look as far as the life of the Apostle Paul to find somebody that had every excuse in the book not to be used. To believe that it was impossible for God to use him for anything righteous. I mean, no follower of Jesus has been used more than the Apostle Paul, but we don't have to look beyond him to find ourselves in this mirror. And so I want to give you some, some things that Paul knew, some secrets that he knew that allowed him to be used by God in such a dramatic way. Because I don't think any one of us could say, well, God used me, you know, equal to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote, what, 13 of the letters to the churches of the New Testament and started most of them. By himself and with his team, traveling across that land, made several mission trips and, and planted churches throughout the Mediterranean area. The Apostle Paul, God used him in tremendous way. And here's his secret. Take your Bibles and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And this is going to be our text for today, 1 through 18. Paul's secrets of being used by God. Write them down, mark them down, make sure you're ready because God wants to use you in his service. And there's nothing quite like being used by him. So don't miss out. Secret number one, never forget it's all because of God's mercy. It's all because of God's mercy. Remember last week we defined mercy. We said mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. That's God's mercy in your life. It's undeserved forgiveness. You're forgiven not because you deserve it. That would be self-righteousness. None of us is righteous. No, not even one. None of us is good. None of us does what's right. That's what Scripture teaches in Romans 3. So it's this undeserved forgiveness, this unearned kindness of God that God would, would want to use you or me. Is, is something that we can't earn. We can't earn his favor. Everything God does in you, everything God does for you, everything God does to you is because of his mercy. It's how he relates to us at every point. We see it in, in the Apostle Paul. I mean, we, we understand this mercy when, when he says in the very first verse of our text, God in his mercy, has given us this ministry, this work to do. Right now, the the ministry and the work, same thing. He's talking about the same thing. He's not discriminating uh, between two different things. He's talking about his his ministry and his work. And I know that freaks some of you out because you think, oh, ministry, you know, that's for the pros, right? No, it's not. Ministry is something you do to help someone else, something you're good at that you do for God's glory to help another human being. 
A lot of what happens in ministry is outside. Maybe you're, maybe you're good at uh, you're stopping, stopping leaks and you're a plumber. Maybe you're good at electricity and you help people, you know, hunt down their, their electrical problems. Maybe you're, you're good with, with money and finances and, and you're an accountant and you help people with their taxes. And they walk away and they go, wow, thank you. That's your ministry. God is using you to do good. So don't freak out about ministry. I mean, he says that's why we don't become discouraged and never give up because we know that God is going to use us. You see, when I understand mercy, I I don't have to prove my worth. God's already beginning to use me. It's his mercy that's using you and me. Freed from performance and that trap of having to perform. God made you to love you. Hear that. That's what mercy is about. His mercy. I mean, you are a trophy of God's grace. That's what mercy does. It polishes that trophy. The brightness and the glory of God. His mercy. So what I'm saying to you is, is we're doing this work to glorify God. It's all about his, his mercy. Second, I would say to you, don't, I don't have to, to wallow then in my failures, right? If it's all about his mercy every single day, I don't have to worry about my failures. And so many people get hung up in the past and they feel like they undeserve. They feel like they're, they're disqualified because of something I did. And, and you say, oh, but you know, pastor, I hear grace and I hear mercy and I hear what you're saying, but, but, but you don't know, pastor, what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. When you come to Christ, it's grace and mercy. That's how God relates to you. By his mercy, he uses anyone Everyone who follows. I mean, Paul, this, this most used man of maybe Christian history, had a terrible past, didn't he? We know his past. If you don't, if you don't know Paul's past, before Paul became a missionary, before Paul was called into ministry, before he was a preacher to, to hundreds, thousands, and wrote all of these letters to the churches, before he was used like that, Paul was a terrorist. To put it in, in modern terminology, Paul was going from village to village, from town to town, to city to city, killing Christians, doing his very best to wipe out the church. The Apostle Paul, look on the screen. He says this. He says, and I thank Jesus Christ. Man, I'm so grateful. Because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. Do you see what he's saying? It's mercy. That God would give him this. In, in the past, I spoke against Christ. I persecuted him and did all kinds of things to hurt him. Like killing his people. But God... Showed me mercy. That good stuff. This is the Apostle Paul. Your past does not predetermine your present. Your past does not predetermine your future. Tomorrow can be anything God wants it to be in your life by his mercy. Get hold of that. Understand that. You know, Paul says in Galatians 1, you know what I was like. 
If anybody was, could have been hung up on being disqualified, it was Paul. He, he was righteous by his own actions. And then he, he came face to face with Jesus and realized everything he was doing was wrong. All of his motives were wrong. He says, you know what I was like, how I violently persecuted Christians. I did my best to get rid of them. He was a terrorist. But then something happened. For it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. Get this. What undeserved mercy. Been there? Have you met that undeserved mercy in your life? You know, Paul's saying, he's saying, God used me in spite of me. The Apostle Paul's saying that. He's saying, in in spite of all that I've done, in spite of all the trouble, in spite of all the stupid, in spite of all that sinful stuff that's in my past, in spite of my past, look what God's done. Folks, that's the miracle of mercy. See where we're going with this? Listen, God has never used, apart from Jesus, a perfect person. If he's going to get anything done, he's going to get it done through imperfect people. Or or nothing gets done. Because there aren't any perfect people. I mean, think about the the great saints of Scripture. So many of them listed in the, the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, think about Abraham. Abraham fooled around until he was 90 years of age. And then God started to use him. And he didn't really kick in until he was 100 years old. And people say, well, I'm too old to be used by God. Baloney. Or, or, you, or you think about Jacob. Jacob was a chronic liar and ran from every difficulty in his life. And God used him. Leah. Remember Leah? She wasn't very pretty. And God used her. Joseph was abused and used. God God used Gideon, who was poor. Samson, he was reckless. Rahab was a prostitute, and she's mentioned in all of fame, by the way. King David, he had an affair. I mean, this great King David had an affair, and then he killed her husband so he could cover it up. If anything's going to disqualify you, that ought to be it. Jeremiah was a whiner, chronically depressed. God used him. Peter was impulsive, had serious anger management problems. Anybody? And God used him. Martha was a warrior. The Samaritan woman had had been through several failed marriages, and God used her. God used Zacchaeus, who was a thief. God used Thomas. He had some doubts. Anybody have any doubts about? Yeah, God used Thomas. Timothy was timid, and and Moses, and, and David, and Paul, murderers, all. And God used them. So if God can use them, why do you think he can't use you? Write this down. Look at it. It's on the screen. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. Oh, she's so godly. He, he's such a wonderful man. You see the way he treats her? Such a godly, godly husband. Every saint has a past. Get to know him a little bit. Ain't, ain't one of them perfect. Every sinner has a future. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy. 
No one of us is ever disqualified. Scripture says this, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives through Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives he's given us watching TV. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. It says we ought to spend these lives helping others, doing ministry, doing service. Use what you're good at to help others. That's what he's saying. God has given you. That's mercy. If, if I have anything that I can do that's worthwhile for you, it's from God. It's his mercy through my life into your life. Second secret to being used by God, be real. First, you got to know it's all about mercy. Every minute of every day is about mercy. If you do anything that's eternal, it's about mercy. Second, you're not going to get it done unless you're real, unless you're authentic, unless you're genuine, unless you're yourself. you got to be yourself. God didn't create you to be someone else. He wants you to be the you he made you to be. Honestly, all of us start out as originals, don't we? And then how long, it doesn't take us long to become carbon copies of something. Why is that? Some hero, someone we think is, is better than us, greater than us, and we want to be like. God wants you to be you. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't use fakes. He doesn't use phonies. He doesn't use posers or pretenders. The problem is because so many of us are trying to be someone we're not. Maybe, maybe you don't like who God made you to be. And you got to deal with that, don't you? On your knees, in his presence. You think, he, you think he wants you to be someone different before he will use you. You probably think God would love you more if you were. Do you really? Don't you know you can never make God love you more? There's nothing you could ever possibly do to cause God to love you less. He loves you unconditionally. That's mercy. You can never do anything to make him love you more. So be yourself. Be authentic. Be who God made you to be because he loves who you are. Exactly like he created you. If someone doesn't like me, tough. You know, seven, eight billion people in the world, I'll find somebody who does. If your mommy and daddy don't think you grew up to be much, that's okay. Eight billion people in the world. Surely someone's going to appreciate you for what God has made. You. Created you. That's his mercy. That's his grace. Paul, look at it. It's, it's there in scripture. He says this. He says, we, we don't try to trick anyone. We're not going to be posers and manipulate you into thinking we're something we're not. We, we don't twist the word of God. Instead, we teach the truth plainly, showing everyone who we really are. That's what God wants. Just be authentic. Then they can know in their hearts kind of people we really are in God's sight. Paul says, I've got nothing to hide. What you see is what you get. This is it. If you don't like it, talk to God. 
He made it. You know, it's really on him. If, if he uses it, then it's all about his mercy. Hear me, you don't have to be perfect for God to use you, but you do have to be authentic. Because God uses authentic people. You know me, I've been here for 27 years. I've made a few mistakes. You know that this is a weak man standing before you. And sometimes I think the greatest strength of pastors is that they're weak because you can sit there and think, wow, if God can use him. Surely then God can use me. You, you see, your, your fear of being real is the number one factor preventing you from being used by God. Just be real. But we fear it, don't we? We fear it because I'm all I've got. That's why you fear being real. If you're authentic and you're real and you're all you've got and you offer all you've got, you're that, that transparent and somebody doesn't like you, what are you going to do? You've got nothing else to offer. And we're afraid of that. Aren't we? So we offer something we're not so that if they don't like that, then we can adjust. But once I'm authentic, there's no adjustment there. It's just plain old Dell. Nothing else to offer. What if they don't like me? Listen, the, the antidote to that fear and that insecurity is to receive the spirit of mercy. Christ's spirit, the spirit we receive does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. It's who we are. I mean, two ways you can live if you read that passage of scripture. You can live in fear. You can live in insecurity. You can live as a slave to sin. You can live as a slave to your fears. Or you can be free as a child of God. Living in mercy. Knowing that if he uses you, it's mercy. If he doesn't use you, it's mercy. That every single day of your life, if you breathe today, it's mercy. And it's a miracle if he uses you or me, isn't it? That's mercy. That's the miracle of mercy. So, so choose today how you're going to live, in fear or free. That's what mercy can do for you, set you free. Number three, secret Paul says, if I'm going to be used by God, I have to remember it's not about me. It's not about me. Remember, it's not about me. If God does something through you, it's not about you. If he decides not to, it's not about you. If you wish he would and he doesn't, then it's not about you. It's not about me. Say it with me. Will you say that? It's not about me. Say it again. It's not about me. Say it one more time. It's not about me. Yeah, it's not about me. Maybe you'll have to say that 50 times today. Every time you think it's about you, you stop yourself and you say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about me. That's what Paul says in this passage. Look, it's so very clear. He says our message is not about us. Our, our message isn't about ourselves at all. It's about Jesus Christ as Lord. We are merely servants for Jesus' sake. It's not about me. I'm simply a servant for Jesus' sake. And it's all about him. And if, he gets, if there's any glory, it's his glory. It's not about me. You see, that statement, to be honest with you, is probably the most counterculture statement you can make today, isn't it? Because isn't everything in our culture about me? 
Isn't that the message of every advertisement in print, every advertisement on the internet, every advertisement on radio and TV? It's all about you. And you ought to have it your way. And if you don't have it your way, then, then go get it your way because you deserve it. Your way. It's all about you. It's counter to our culture. The world says it's all about you. But Paul says this. We're like clay jars. Very next verse. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus because really we're just like clay jars. And, and there's this treasure inside. It's stored there. And, and the real power, that comes from God, not from us. Our, our frail bodies, he's saying, are just like these clay jars that if you mishandle it, it breaks. And we live in this world that mishandles it all the time. We, we are easily broken, if not handled correctly. And living in a fallen world cracks most of us. No, all of us. So what's the lesson? Paul's trying to help us understand He's trying to help me understand this. Maybe you don't think much of yourself, but, but God often puts the greatest gift in the weakest vessel. Look at Paul. He was a terrorist. He was killing people like you. He stood there and watched them stone Stephen to death and applauded. He saw that as his calling in life. To kill you. Hmm. God's greatest gifts in, in the most broken vessel. All for his glory. God always uses flawed instruments. Apart from Jesus. Always. He won't get anything done unless he, he does that. So admit it. Every day, a hundred times today if you need to, it's not about you. Four, secret number four, he says, if I'm going to be used by God, I must use my pain because guess what? In this world, you will suffer, Jesus said. He didn't say you might. In this world, you will suffer. So use that pain to help others. The, the pain you get up with every day can be physical pain, it can be emotional pain, it can be heartache of some time, some, some kind. Use that pain every day. See that pain every day as an opportunity to help someone who understands that pain, that you understand that pain. And it's only by mercy. It's his mercy if you can get through the day. Isn't it for some? Don't you know that? If you, if you survive the pain today, it's his mercy. I mean, that was, that was what Paul understood. And Paul had gone through a lot of pain. Another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to his story. Look at it there on the screen. He says this. He says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, Exposed to death again and again. Five times I received 39 lashes. Imagine the scars on this man's body. Multiply that out sometime. And then consider that it might have been a cat of nine tails that they beat him 39 times with. Just go home and do that math. Three times I was beaten with rods. Besides the five... 
Once I was stoned three times, I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I mean, that'd make a movie, right? Don't they make movies about people who have to sleep in the ocean for three or four days, who survive that? He'd been, he'd been stoned and shipwrecked and in the sea. I've been constantly on the move, no place to call home. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, from my own countrymen, from Gentiles, in danger in the cities and in the country, and at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger. I've known thirst. And I've often gone without food. I've been cold, and and they've even taken my clothes sometimes, left me naked to die. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of the concern that I have for the churches, for why I'm here and what I'm doing, and you think you have problems, right? This is the Apostle Paul. So why, Paul? Why do you put up with all of that? Why, don't, why do you travel by, on foot from place to place to place with no place to call home? I mean, he, he camped in a tent his whole life in ministry. No place to call home. How, why do you put up with this? You put up with, with jail and you put up with beatings and stonings and shipwrecks and you go without food and you go without sleep and you go without comfort and, and you go without clothing, you go without safety and you never give up. Why? Look at his response. It's in our text, verse 8 and 9. He says, we often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up. And every time we're knocked down, we get up. If you're going to have pain in life anyway, why not use it for someone's good? I mean, we get all caught up in it, but why not use it for someone's good? Don't waste your pain. That's what Paul's saying to you. Help someone with it. After all, it's not about you. Remember? The the mercy to get through is his. So help someone else. Paul says in verse 15, all this suffering, all this suffering that we go through, all this suffering of ours, the sufferings are for your benefit. Not, not, it's not about us. And, and more, and, and the, more of you, the, the more of you who are one to Christ, the more there are who thank him for his great mercy, the more God gets glory. Paul says, I keep on going because I know this is helping someone else. That's what motivates me. This is why he says, I never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. Do you sense that truth in your suffering? I mean, isn't it obvious that our bodies are withering away? Anybody notice that? I'm standing in front of the mirror. Things are just falling apart, right? I mean, I'm losing my hair. I used to have hair when I came to be your pastor. That's what pastoring will do to you. Yeah, I mean, I can't stop this aging on the outside. 
but I can be fresh on the inside. I can be young on the inside. That's what Paul's saying. I can be alive on the inside, renewed in the spirit every single day. Paul renewed himself daily. He recharged every 24 hours. And, and because of it, look how he sees his problems. All that stuff that he, he just recited for us, he says, so our present troubles are, are quite small. All this pain I'm going through, I mean, just look at my back, right? Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. Paul knew it's not about now. It's not about me, and it's not about now. It's about eternity. There's something more. I mean, that's an eternal perspective. That's what number five really is. Number five is that we have to stay focused on this eternal perspective and not get caught up in the here and now because it's not about you and it's not about now. Every Christian ought to have an eternal perspective every single day. And you will when you realize how how short life is and how long eternity is. Trillions and trillions and trillions of years in heaven. Folks, It's not about now. It's about this life we have to live forever in Christ Jesus. So stay focused. If you're going to be used by God, stay focused on that. That it's about heaven. Paul was, these little troubles are getting us ready. He says, this is is just preparation. This is cramming the night before the final exam. That's what this is. This is preparation for the final exam. This is, this is preparation for the real stuff. This is just getting us ready for what is to come, for the eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like small potatoes. That's what he said, literally in the Greek. No, not really, but, but sort of like that, right? It's nothing. What, what, I'm, what I'm saying is when you see God's picture, and you see this plan of God and, and this eternal picture, you're not going to be bothered by the small little problems that you have, by the pain in your life every day. It's not that big a deal because 40, 50, 60, 80 years compared to trillions, this is small stuff. And Paul goes on and he says, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we've not yet seen. We have this eternal focus. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Trillions of years. Now listen to me. You can live life motivated by one of three things. This is only one of them. You see, you can live life motivated by by internal motivators. I want to be happy. I want to be popular. I want to be rich. I want to be loved by people. I want to be famous, whatever it is. Those are all those internal kinds of needs that we want, those things that that go on inside of us and we struggle with all the time. You can live with that eternal or that internal motivation, or you can live with an external motivation. That's kind of the carrot on the stick. It's reward and punishment. It's, It's reward and failure. And you can always be after the carrot on the stick. Motivated by what other people think about you. That's external motive. Or you can be motivated eternally. The, the most powerful motivation for a follower of Jesus Christ is this eternal motivation. 
motivated by the fact that this life is only preparation for the real deal in heaven one day. So how do we stay focused on the eternal? Can I just say that you're going to need help to do that? You're going to need one another. If God's going to keep you focused, then you need one another. The, the secret to staying focused on the eternal is a small group of believers around you. Somebody to say, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. You know, it's not about us, is it? Who'll remind you that it's not about today anyway. I know today's tough, but you know what? It's not about today. And God's, the, the miracle of his mercy is that there is enough mercy for today. Whatever today may hold for you. But it's, it's really not about today anyway. It's, it's about eternity. And, and a small group of people, they will remind you of that. You realize that everywhere Paul went, he took a small group with him. He never went on a missionary journey alone. Read it. Study it. Study it in the book of Acts. He always had a few crew with him, a, a few guys that followed him along. And, and they were always there to encourage him because he got down too. Because it's tough work sometimes and it's hard to stay focused. And they kept him focused. My small group, it showers mercy on me. Some of the stupid things I say on Sunday morning, I ran past them. And they were gracious enough to say, okay, pastor, yeah, you can say that. And it's still, I probably shouldn't, right? But it's just mercy. They, they love me anyway for the stupid things I say. Sometimes they say, oh, did you really mean what you said on Sunday? They give me mercy. They support, right, from a small group. Wise counsel from, from godly men and women around prayer together. We always, in our small group, have a time where we pray for one another. We say, what's God doing? Where do we need him to do something? You stay focused when you're in that small group. I mean, that's what Ecclesiastes 4 says. Listen, person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. And, and three, that's a small group. Remember, I've been telling you that, right? Two's a couple, three's a small group. And three people, that's even better for a Triple braided cord is hard to break. I mean, there's lots of strength there. Jesus said it this way. He said, for wherever two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'll be with them. Want to be with Jesus? You want to be where he is? I can tell you where to be in a small group. I mean, I'm not saying he's not somewhere else. I'm not saying he's not with you out on the mountain someplace when you're all by yourself. But I know absolutely for certain that when three of you get together as a small group, Jesus promised to show up, to be there with you. Can, can I just say to you, get in. Get into a small group. Get in on the miracle of mercy. Don't miss out. Don't be left behind. If you don't get in a group, you'll be left behind. So, so let me close with this. Just a couple of questions. You answer them. Are you ready to experience in your life this miracle of mercy? God's mercy every single day that you live. Enough mercy to get through whatever it is. Whatever you face. His presence. His spirit in you. Will you give your life to Christ Jesus? To receive this mercy. Will you renew that today? That commitment.
I mean, what in your past is it's keeping you bound? It's, it's not allowing you to, to experience that. What, what do you think is keeping you from being used by God anyway? Isn't it time just to let go of that and, and leave it with him? What excuse, what failure, what secret sin are you hanging on to? What hurt, what resentment or regrets? What fear is holding you back? Let it go today. Are you ready to experience the miracle of mercy? And then I would say, do you? You want to live the rest of your life just for yourself? Do you want to live the rest of your life just for yourself? Or do you want to be used by God? That's why we're studying this. Honestly, some of you are going to grow more in the next seven weeks than you've grown all last year. And you know that this is a time of year that we as a church body grow maybe more than we do any other time during the year. Personally, get in on the miracle of mercy. Get in a small group. Be a part or be left behind. It's your choice.